0: makers of sport podcast episode 9 with rodney richardson and welcome to episode 9 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at Martin on Twitter. Today on the show, Rodney Richardson is joining us. Rodney is the founder and creative director of Rare Design, a Hattiesburg, Mississippi design firm specializing in branding and identity. Rare Design does work for multiple industries. However, their most notable work is their identity work in the sports industry. Rodney's firm has worked on brand identities for the Charlotte Hornets, Miami Heat, the Portland Timbers MLS team, the former New Orleans Pelicans, and more. They also created the Rip City sub-brand of the Portland Timberwolves. Welcome to the show, Rodney. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate it. So I touched a little bit on your, on your, your company and, and your background a little bit, but can you go a little bit more in depth uh, You know, from your start? through your nike years all the way up until now mm.
1: yeah yeah sure um yeah well I, I grew up in in south mississippi and from this this area and uh, went to school here at the university of southern mississippi and 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 started work as a student designer like so many of us do and had a, had an opportunity to work with a small shop here in town that was doing some really fun creative stuff and kind of got my feet wet there, and and then had a, just an amazing opportunity come before me. I was only a couple of years out of school, uh, working at a little three-person shop in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, but our department at our school that, I, that I'd graduated from had a, a really unique relationship. One of our professors was pretty good friends with Tim Hale at uh, Fossil, and Fossil had hired a couple of, of our designers, some, some guys that, I, that I'd graduated with, and I was talking to one of those guys one day, and he said, "Man, you wouldn't believe this." He said Nike just hired like three of our people. You know, they're just just hiring a lot of folks. There's a lot going on up there. He said, "You ought to check into that." You know, that's 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 right up your alley. That's the kind of stuff you like to do. And I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, are you kidding?" Of course, yeah, man, that'd be wonderful. And um, so I said, "Find a name, find a name for me." And he got the name of a of a headhunter that, that Nike had, was was using. And I went through that person, and and it was just such a such a crazy experience. It was. It was pretty funny because the uh, the headhunter, upon talking with them, uh, you know, said, you know, yep, you sound like just the kind of person they're looking for. And I thought, really, wow. I mean, they're looking for designers from a school in South Mississippi, working at a three person shop, only a couple of years out of school. That's a very unique, unique kind of person. And uh, she said, but just send your resume. They don't want to see any work yet just send your resume. And I thought, oh my gosh, man, I, 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 my resume is not going to be impressive at all. I didn't go to one of these big art schools. I don't have a lot of this massive agency experience and there's just not a lot on there. And 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 I, I really sort of fretted over that for a while and then, and then decided if I can't send them any work, if they're not going to see any of my portfolio pieces and all they're going to see is this resume and I don't really have a lot of confidence in the content that's on that resume at face value, so I'm going to design the heck out of this resume. That if it's sitting there on this table with a pile of other resumes, it's going to get their attention. They're they're going to see a design piece whether they want to or not. <laughs> and and that's yeah. what and that's what I did. And it was a kind of interesting because it it, it worked. It, it got their attention. They even made made mention of that and. One thing led to another several interviews and doing different things and 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 was very greatly blessed to have the opportunity to move out to Portland and work in the team sports division uh and you know went in there in ninety five mid nineties when the the team sports industry and branding and rebranding and the marketing of it and and the the fashion of sports in I just the world at that point was huge. I mean, you remember that in, in that time frame, everybody's wearing jerseys and, and just sports branding was really taken off in, in, in massive ways. And so being able to come into that department at that time and, and get involved at the, at the ground floor, they were about halfway through, I think, one of the most amazing projects that really sort of turned the tide in what was happening in sports branding. And they were in the midst of the Denver Broncos identity and I tell people that's when I I mean you talk about going to school I went to school on that project had 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 to get to work under some guys I mean I was blessed to go pick up you know copies off the printer and and take them to them and and just as an assistant designer <laughs> just just being a part of that conversation I mean just hearing the way they worked through things and watching this this team at, at Nike really sort of take this mindset that had grown that company into the branding giant that it is and really defining what branding is all about and then going, how do we take what we've learned where we found success and we apply this to a third party? How do we apply this to a team that has, helped us, that has asked us to come help them do what we do for us for them? it was really one of the first times they had done that really and and it and and i think it changed what was happening in sports branding you look at, at where things were up until that point and it was all about this marketing of creating these cartoons and it was all teeth and claws and animation and things that people thought were going to look good on a trash can that they could sell to a 10-year-old kid out of the team store and nike said wait a minute if there's one thing we know it's it's the passion of sport, and it's that kids don't want to buy just a cartoon. If they do, they'll go get a cartoon. When they're in, when they they want to emulate this athlete, they want to be a part of what this team is about. And we've got to respect the game, and we've got to respect the athlete, and we have got to respect the sport, and and design against bringing those ideals to life. And uh, massive learning experience there. And then had had the opportunity in the in the years that I was out there. Uh, to, to kind of help, you know, tote the water with that project and then, and then um, w- was spent most of my time in the NBA category. At that time, the league had three, di- three different companies. Uh, the league was sort of carved up. Uh, Nike, we had 10 teams. Uh, I believe it was Reebok had 10 teams and uh, Champion had nine teams. And so we out, you know, we we were the product developers for our 10 teams and, and my role was to kind of help manage the brand and 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 do those things for our 10 teams in the NBA. So worked with the league, worked with the teams, developing product, developing how their brand was lived out through the product and the game day experience. Uh, really, really fun time. And then moved from there to the Nike branded category, just Nike basketball. Uh, global basketball, and worked in that that area for a while, and just just a lot of fun, a lot of fun, great opportunity. Uh, but then my uh, we had our first daughter while we were out out there in Portland, and like a lot of kids from the South, when I left, I said, "Man, I am out of here. I am never coming back." Woo, we, we escaped, <laughs> you know. And and we thought when we got out there that uh, when we started to have our family, my wife is from this area as well, that it was we'd start to have to plant some roots out there. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and yeah. instead, when, when we had our daughter, it, it helped us realize where our roots were. And and it caused me to reflect on something one of my professors told me one time and told our, told our whole class. And he said, look, he said, find where you want to live your life. And don't just chase a job. Don't just chase this this ideal that's out there. Find where you want to live your life and go there and move there because that's that's what's important you will find a job if you're creative and you're a good designer and and you you know you you, your craftsmanship is is honed I mean you will you will succeed but if you're living somewhere that's not where you're supposed to live your life you will be miserable so we talked about that and and, uh, I asked my wife I said you know we, we wanted to be back closer to home we both come from very large families that we're close with and and I opened up a map one day, and I I remember that. And I said, "Okay, you know, we, we, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be?" And 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 she said, "I want to go back to to Hattiesburg." And I said, um, "Maybe you didn't understand me." I said, "In anywhere, <laughs> anywhere in the <laughs> southeast, where do where do you want to go? You know, where do you want to be?" And she said, "No, I, I want to go back to Hattiesburg. And that's where our family is. That's where you know our, we have so many friends there, and and that's where." we really believed we needed to be. So I said, well, great, let's do it. And, uh, and I said, I'll, I, you know, I always felt like I would start a business. It's a little earlier than I thought, but we'll do it. And if it works, great. Uh, if it doesn't, you know, I'll go get a job. And so far, we've been very blessed. That was in 99, moved back and started Rare in 1999. And uh, we've been blessed that uh, the door's still open and we get to do a lot of fun stuff.
0: That's awesome, man. So you you left Nike, and you did not know, like I guess in your head you were like, "I'm starting a business." Like, oh, did you always have the entrepreneurial spirit, dude? I was scared
1: to death. Yeah, I've always had a, a, an entrepreneurial spirit, and my wife says it's not an entrepreneurial spirit; it's a rebellious spirit that doesn't like to take uh, <laughs> orders from anybody else. So, um, yeah,
0: I can I can I can identify with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I, look, when when my dad moved up there. Um, I mean, my dad came up there and helped us pack up, and and we were driving back from Portland. He and I were, were hauling everything we owned back across the country to Mississippi, and I was moving in with my father-in-law, with my, my brand-new baby girl, my wife, moving in with my father-in-law to start my own business, leaving, I think, one of the best com- companies in the world to work for, yeah. especially as a designer, as a creative. I don't know that you can find. Uh, I mean, I mean, may, there may be one or two or three other companies that value design and creativity and innovation as much as Nike, but I you you'd be hard pressed to make me believe that they valued it more. And so I'm leaving. Right, that. Especially
0: in the sports world, I mean, you oh might have gosh. like an Apple or a Google or something, but Nike, I mean, no question is absolutely. Some of the other companies are are definitely on on the up and coming though. I mean, Under Armour seems to be um, doing pretty well with with. Uh, People have seen the success that these companies have had right that's yep. that seems to be my opinion of it. it
1: It all gets down to the heart and soul of it, which gets to i mean that's that gets to our our philosophy in everything we do we We drill down to the heart and soul, and one of the things that they uh constantly 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 worked to ingrain in us uh, as the creatives at Nike was everything we were doing was about the passion of sport everything got down to that simple thing the passion of sport how do we help athletes how do we develop products how do we communicate brands how do we do whatever it is that we're endeavoring to do how do we do it in such a way that allows people to live out that passion and in 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 the fullest way possible it was it really is that Simple, but in being that simple, it's very hard, you know. Getting to it, it, simple design, simple execution, getting down to that simple thing is very difficult. It's so much easier to keep things at a very convoluted, complicated space. And, um, but when you get down to that heart and soul, and that drives everything you do that you have to filter everything through that. You have to, to test and, and measure everything you do. Does this help us live this out in, in the fullest way possible? And I don't, And now I, don't even, I, I can't design. If we don't know that, if we don't know what that is for a client, for a team, for whoever it is we're working for, if we don't know that, I almost can't design anymore. I have to know that. I have to know what it is we're bringing to life. Because if not, it, it's, you, you're just going to get into subjective opinions. You're going to get into uh, a, a discourse about aesthetics, which has its place in, in the conversation. But that's not by far the only conversation. You know, The intention of the piece, the yeah. heart and soul that's behind it, what it is that it's supposed to be living out, that's what's most important.
0: Hey Rodney, let's go back to your start at um, when you started Rare. So you're living at out of your father-in-law's house. I mean, that yeah. had to be that had to be quite interesting to tell you know this guy who you're going to be taking care of his daughter <laughs> that you're yeah. just starting a business. You know,
1: I'm very blessed to have an amazing family. My family, my wife's family, very supportive. Uh, they learned a long time ago to really not be surprised by a lot of things that Christy and I can can conjure. Uh, you know, first of all, moving to Oregon was a shock and then leaving that job to move back to, I mean, leaving that amazing job to move back to Mississippi and start my own business and not even knowing who your client base is going to be. Who does that? That makes no sense. You know, it's not like I'm moving to a large city. It's not like I'm moving to a hotbed of creativity. I mean, we were moving back. I mean, it is a hotbed of creativity culturally, but not when you think of design and advertising. And um, and 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 so, uh, you know, they supported us in it though. But man, when I when I got in that truck and I backed out of our driveway to to start in in Portland to start home, I don't know that I've ever been as scared. I thought, what am I doing?
0: <laughs> what have,
1: <laughs> what have I done? It's too late, you know. And and I just said, you know what? God's called us to do this. This is what we're going to do, and it's going to be it's going to be great. And it and it has so and and just I mean, right out of the gate, man. I mean, this is. And this was a blessing in and of itself. Our very first client, Rare's very first client, was Nike. So, um, wow. you know, the, the guys that I worked with, the team that I worked with there was supportive. And and I really tried to, uh, I mean, I, I, deep respect and admiration and friendship with so many of those folks. It wasn't just uh, about work or a job or anything like that. And, and you know, so that relationship uh, was able to to carry over into that space and into rare. And uh, so, yeah, working out of uh, the front bedroom, living there, living with my father-in-law started rare there. So the office was in the front bedroom. Uh, We were with my daughter in another bedroom and then my father-in-law lived in another bedroom. And, and uh, that's, that's how we got started. We We actually have a picture of that house. He no longer lives there either. And we have a picture of that house by our front door in our current office uh because that 's where rare got started, so it's it's it 's a pretty fun nice. story to tell
0: so did um did you have it in your head that you wanted to continue doing work in sports or was it it just was a serendipitous thing that happened because of the nike experience
1: oh no, I knew i wanted to keep i mean i knew I wanted to stay in the sports arena there i mean holy cow man there there's there's no other arena no other marketplace that is as crazy, that is as wild, that is as passionate and just energetic as working in the sports arena, you know, and, and working for these teams, whether it's colleges, whether it's a professional team, semi-pro team, minor league team, even high school, man. I mean, just anything when you start bringing the athletic side of things into it, you don't, uh, we, we do work across a lot of different industries. I mean, there's the healthcare and manufacturing and retail and service industry and course athletics and there you you hopefully in in any of those things we will encounter very passionate people uh people passionate about what they're doing and why they're doing it and how we can help them bring that to life in in real and meaningful ways but usually in a lot of those other areas that is going to be a very small handful of people that have that passion you get onto the sports side of things, there are thousands of people passionate about these yeah. things and the brands and the stories they tell. Everybody within the organization really wants to believe why they're a part of this organization. Players on the teams, it 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 gets ingrained to them as part of their psyche and how they play the game for this team and for each other. Thousands of fans that all feel like they have a vested interest, and a voice in this team, you know? And and, and what's funny, I, I, we've done a couple of little posts over the years because it, it never ceases to amaze me. Um, out of all the work that we've created, sometimes people send me pictures. They will encounter somebody that's got a tattoo of a logo that we did, you know, and so they'll take <laughs> a picture. I, I don't see too many people sending me corporate logos uh, that we've done. Right. Uh, they're right. all, They're all teams, and I'm thinking, holy cow, man, these people – are so identify with what this team is about. It's such a part of who they are. They are so passionate about it. They're getting this tattooed into their skin. And I yeah. mean, just, that's, that's huge. And it's a fun world to be a part of.
0: Oh, it's, it's this, this industry, uh, this niche, I guess this vertical is, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, I read these stories all the time about, I always refer to this book called Rammer, Jammer, Yellow Hammer, which is Alabama's cheer, um, mm. University of Alabama's cheer. And this guy, Warren St. John, wrote it. And I believe he's a writer for like the New York Times now. He, he may have moved on from there. But it's just it's an interesting book, and it dives into this culture. And I think designers are sort of synonymous with culture, you know? Yeah, like they're culture absolutely. creators and culture um, cultivators. And, uh, and sports, the culture of sports and, and just the stories behind it. All the way from like the actual stories on the field to the point where like people can actually identify a particular moment that happened in a game, where they were at the time, who they were with, it was like a nostalgic moment with their father yep. and you know their dad, or if it was uh, you know I was having a really rough time, and I just got fired, and that that play helped me get through yep. you know yep. it's it 's unbelievable
1: yeah, it really is, it really is, but sport but you know the, the culture of it, the community of it the shared belief system i mean we, we we find things that we have in common with these teams because they're 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 part of us they're an extension of us they're part of our community and 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 they represent these certain aspects of who we are in this this region in this place in the world and that's really one of the biggest things i think in athletic uh, brand development and identity development that that some teams miss and some teams really get and something that we endeavor to bring, to bring about in, in, in these things that we do. I mean, a team lives in a particular place. You've got three key areas that we look at and, 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 and we look at a lot of areas, but these are just pillars that we look at. Um, number one is the city, the region. Where does this team live? Who are these people? Who, who, this fan base, what are they about? What's the character of this place? What makes this place special in the world? you know what what characterizes it and and that because this team is a part of this community and and fans expect teams to be ingrained in their community and be a part of their community and be with them in that community and so and 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 so far every team that we have worked with wants to do that they don't want to just placate people they want to be a viable and valuable member of the community so We have to work really hard to understand what that that looks like and and what those characteristics are and what does this place – what are their values? What are the personality traits? What defines them? Um, and, And so we look at that. We look at the city and the region and what makes this place special. We look at the team itself, the organization. What's the heritage of it? What has it stood for through the years? What does it stand for now? What is their vision? what's the character of this team this program this system what's what it what's the personality of it by all the players that are involved now how does that you know work with the, the what the the heritage of the team has been and where they project it's going to go and and then you know every team has a name. Every team has a moniker. Every team has a totem, something that that has been determined and is held up that this represents something of, of who we are. You mentioned the hornets. You mentioned the pelicans. You mentioned the timbers. I mean, all of those, we got to look at what's special about that. What does it mean? Uh, what, what are some of the unique characteristics of the hornets? Why did that name come into being? What does it represent? And, and we even look at the animal, the character traits of the animal and what it stands for as a totem and then we look across all of those and and I have yet to have a project where you don't find a thread of consistency you don't find this storyline that starts to thread through all of those and 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 that's that's your sweet spot that's when you go wow this is this is where all of these things connect and come together to tell a story of of who this team is and what they're about and what that means to these people and then how that's going to help us as we move into the create phase of the work, that's the story that we're bringing to life. And and that's what's going to make this special. That's what's going to make this team special to these people in this place, not where I can just plug and play a different city name and it works wherever because we're going to build in the certain... It's special attributes that help tell the story of this entity in this place with these people. Because that's what brands are. I tell this people, brands are about stories. Brands are stories. I use the word brand and story synonymously. Uh, because yeah. brands are about stories. And, and the stories of who we are and where we've come from and how that has shaped us and how that uh, helps form the vision that we're moving towards, that's our, that's our brand. That's our story. Then once we know that, now we get to create the face that represents that and gets to tell that story and gets to help grow that story and gets to help bring it to life um, in, in, in hopefully, you know, powerful ways.
0: So have you, have you found that doing so much sports-related work, because I know that you do a lot of work in other industries, but it seems like in my own personal experience, it's very easy to get pigeonholed. as like, oh, you know, sports, sports work, and it's such its own animal you know, with this mm. visual look and style and it's very visual in your face. You know, have you found that it's hard to kind of get out of of being known as a sports guy? And even in like the mainstream design world, I mean, we see like I don't know, the landors of the world or like the kind of world renowned mainstream design firms, like and the design publications, you rarely see a whole lot about sports in those publications. It's almost looked down upon, right? It's that's what it feels like at least.
1: I think so, and, I, and I, think, uh, I, I think sometimes because there have been seasons in sports identity development that people maybe uh, just chased trends, tried to chase design trends instead of yeah. bringing to life what those meaningful stories are and should be. Maybe because the, the sports world is, it's a very crowded marketplace in terms of colors, and styles and certain executions and things that people expect to be a part of uh an athletic identity you know baseball uh you you say that you talk about baseball identity uh there are certain things from scripts and different you know just styles of design that people expect and same thing with basketball and same thing with football and and maybe some folks say, "Well, you're just you're just drawing these cartoon characters and bringing them to life." And and if in a, you know, it, there have been seasons where that that happened, and kind of shame on us as as designers and brand developers that, during those times. But I think you can also look back at some of the most longstanding brands, and 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 maybe you look at you look at the Celtics, you look at the Lakers, you look at these things where you've got. Multiple generations of people in that market that look at that uniform, that look at those marks that have stood the test of time, and, and it has deep meaning to them. You know, you've got grandparents and parents and kids that, that all have a shared bond through that. And maybe the design community doesn't you know, respect some of the craftsmanship of that, but you can't look at that from being a meaningful brand and not appreciate what that does.
0: Yeah, I agree, and you know, actually, Todd Radom and I a couple episodes back talked about just the Yankees. I mean, from a from a global perspective, you know, it's almost like it it seems like that the Yankees are are you know as big as like Coca Cola, right? Yeah. I mean, and some of these sports fan sports, the most successful sports brands that get on that level tend to have that sort of timeless look, and not necessarily the very in the moment um, yep. thing that you'll see everybody doing.
1: And that's, you know, I think sometimes that's when, when you've got designers maybe trying to make their mark in an industry and, and there's a lot of uh, just design cannibalism and this redundancy that is created with people that do just chase a trend or a style. I mean, look, we're, we're all going to be impacted. One of, our, one of the things that we try to do is to create an identity. When we get to, the, to that point in a process, we, we, we really want to create an identity that we hope is timeless and, or as timeless as we can possibly allow it to be, something that can outlive trends, something that can allow the story of the team, the life of the team and the organization to grow and to continue to give it meaning as it grows, that we're not so locked into the, the trends of the moment that in five years from now, we look at this mark and go, oh, my gosh, what were we thinking? You know, and it's just completely right. it's just obsolete. Um, and and you can tell the shallowness of what went into it. It was all about the aesthetic. So we, but we, but we all are also going to be influenced. Uh, we we have a shared worldview of the time and space we live in, what we see around mm-hmm. us every day, and and what we're influenced by. So uh, there's no matter how hard you try, that influence is still going to be there. But that's where we look at it and, and try to understand that story. Our, our process, the way we go through things, there are four key phases that we go through. And it's to understand, to think, to create, and to manage. And those for everybody thinks when they first come to us, they all they're thinking about is the create phase. They're thinking we're going to draw something for them. We're going to design some mark that's going to tell them this story. And it's, it's amazing how many people know my background and they come in and they go, I want you to design me a Nike swoosh.
0: Yeah.
1: Seriously. Okay. And I said, well, that's easy. And I'll walk over to the whiteboard and I'll draw some little something. It could be a swirl. It could be whatever. I'm like, all right, there you go. You know, um, where do you want me to send the invoice? they are like, well, what is that? I'm like, well, what's a Nike swoosh? I mean, what is that? (laughs) What is that thing? It's, it's a, it's this rounded check mark looking thing. And do you know the story behind it? What you want is not that mark you want everything that's behind it. You want everything that you feel and that you believe and that you know and that you've experienced. You want all this stuff that they have built over decades that give that icon massive meaning whenever you see it. I can't create that for you. I can help you discover what that is. I can help you, you know, let's think about it and put it together into a positioning into a story that when we read that we go yes that's it that's what we're going to bring to life that's what we want to be that's what we're about that's how we're going to connect with people in the right ways and 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 once we get to that place now we can create Now we can create the mark. Now we can start to create the executions that are going to tell that story, that are going to build meaning into that mark as you use it consistently over time. And that's where the manage part comes in. So we got to ask all those questions on the front end, all that understand phase stuff. Who are you and what are you doing and why are you doing it and who cares and who doesn't care and do we want them to, do we not? Just taking all the pieces that we can find and putting them all on the table, not really evaluating them yet, just learning, learning everything that we can learn to try to get down to that heart soul value character personality all those things that make you special then we can move to the think phase where we can strategize and start to understand which of these pieces tell the right story and 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 discover what that right story is in a way that people can can say concisely, that they can look at and cast as a vision that that everybody at every level of their organization can hold up and say, yes, that's what we're about. That's what we want to be. And I can do my part in helping us achieve that. Now we can create. Now, and, and styles and trends and, you know, we're not going to talk nearly as much about those things anymore because we, we know what it is we're trying, the story that we're telling. We're more worried about those components that help us do that rather than, why well, I like marks that are a circle. You know, it really doesn't matter. What matters is do marks right. that are in the shape of a circle help tell your story in the right way. And then you can manage that, you know, as, as you go ahead. And, you know, that's, you know, as as a young designer, there was one type of project that I absolutely hated more than any other. And it was a logo project. I hated yeah. them. Oh my
0: gosh. I hated them with a passion, man. Like just a logo by itself. Yeah. Like design this. Lo- yeah.
1: Yeah. People come in and I want you to help me develop an identity. I need a logo for my company. I need a logo for my something. And, and that's the most intimidating place to be sitting down across the desk from somebody, a blank piece of paper in front of me. And I'm going, I have no idea what to do. And I would ask absolutely all of the wrong questions. Well, what do you like? Yeah. What do you not like? Um, what, what kind of style, you know I mean? Like, yeah, what do you do? And then I'm thinking, well, if you make this widget, I guess I need to draw a widget. So what kind of style do you like? So I can draw a widget that you like. And, and it's just, it was a subjective guessing game. I felt like I'm throwing darts at balloons until I got the one that yeah. like that hit, you know, that, that matched what they wanted. That's what my time at Nike really uh, it just completely turned my thinking and, and turned it on to how to bring brands to life in the right way had the right stories, to, to the right questions to ask to try to get to the right stories. Because when you can get back to something that you go, yeah, this is what we're bringing to life. This is who we are. This is what we're about. This is our personality. When you have these rich personality words that define this organization, you know whether it's supposed to be aggressive or reserved. Is it, is it just overtly powerful or is the strength in, in this stealth quality that it has? And, and y- y- as you determine those things, now when you move into the creative process, you've got a strong measure to measure your work against. And that just completely, completely changed this type of project from being one that I hated to one that's my favorite. I love helping people discover. And put together in ways stories of, of, of who they are that they can communicate clearly. We create these marks that help them tell those stories and then get to see them live it out. You know, we created, uh, well, and for instance, you look at the uh, Pelicans identity. And, you know, a lot of folks looked at that and when they first heard the name, oh my gosh, what a, what a crazy backlash. Uh, who names an NBA team? the pelicans that's that's insane there's nothing tough about that there's nothing powerful about that it's this goofy looking bird and why are they doing that and in fact when we first got approached with it and uh, you know they told me that's where they were leaning with a name my immediate my first reaction was the same like oh my gosh a pelican <laughs> what what <laughs> what is why and but see that's that's the question that i ask more than any other is why and because that's what that's what matters. And, and as we yeah. worked with the team, as we worked with Mr. Benson and his team and the story of why and the, for that city in the Gulf South in this region, you know, a pelican is 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 revered as a bird of light. It's revered as a symbol throughout many cultures as as a, as a symbol of resurgence, as a symbol of not only surviving, but thriving, of overcoming. And, and, you know, what city represents that and that mindset more than New Orleans from hurricane. Oh,
0: that's fantastic.
1: And oil spills and all these things. That's also why in the mark, uh, the city name is, is carried on the wings of the pelican because that symbol of resurgence, of thriving and surviving and, and doing that, that symbol is carrying the city because that's what, that's what represents the city. And and the Florida Lee at the top of the of the logo, that little red Florida Lee sitting up there, that's that's mm-hmm. the same Florida Lee from the city flag. And it represents that that opulence, that, that, you know, that that fun side of New Orleans. And then, you know, another thing with that identity that was that was kind of funny to watch is is all of the people that um didn't like the color scheme. Why in the world are we red, white, blue, and then this gold, and you know, there's so many teams with red and blue and all these things and you know we asked those same questions as we went through that project and and um, you know one of the first things we had to ask we asked with any team is is you know who are we who are we really creating what who are we telling this story to because usually there are two really big different audiences there are lots of nuances in, in each of these you've got your internal audience you've got the people in your city and your region that, that expect uh, a certain, thing whenever they think about what represents them. And then you've got this outside world national audience that when they look at this city or this place, their view is probably going to be a simpler view of a city. It's probably going to be somewhat of a caricature of what that city really is about. And again, New Orleans is a great example of that. Everybody thought the whole identity needed to be Mardi Gras colors. Um, Everybody thought it needed to to just tell this Mardi Gras story where you talk to any New Orleanian, that is one small piece of who they are. Small, small piece of who they are. New Orleans is so much deeper and richer and, and flavorful and then, than just Mardi Gras. And they said, this is, a, this is a brand. This is a team for New Orleans. This is a team for New Orleanians. One of the things that this organization learned through their experience with the Saints following Hurricane Katrina is the impact that a professional sports franchise can have on a region. Just amazing. And so another reason for the Pelican was they wanted to be very involved in restoring the wetlands and the marshes in South Louisiana, restoring the habitat of the Pelican. They lead out in massive efforts to that end. They have that kind of care and concern. They have that care and concern for their people, and they wanted this identity to be for those people. So it needed to represent the New Orleans that New Orleanians see. There are going to be special times. There are going to be special uniform opportunities. There are going to be special opportunities to bring those other aspects to life, but the day-to-day in and out needed to be there for them. And like the color scheme, the color of the city of New Orleans is red, white, blue, and gold. They're red, white, and blue because New Orleans is. They said we are the daughter of both France and the United States. That's both national colors. Therefore, it's going to be our color. The gold is to represent that that specialness, that opulence that New Orleans has, that nice little unique flavor that it has that makes it this true gem in the world. And that's so. That's that's why that color scheme is is there. That's the story that it tells to be unique to that place. And it's people. Have understood that, and it's people, especially in that region and in the Gulf South, understood that. They're like, "Yep, this is us. We love it." This is so now. All of a sudden, and people from the outside look in and go, "Wow, this is this is terrible. Why aren't you this? Why aren't you that?" And they're like, "You back off."
0: Uh, that is uh, is a beautiful story about the pelicans. I mean, that's the thing that you do not see in these critical forums and places like Brand New and. Uh, maybe sportslogos.net uh, and places like that because people get in there and it, it becomes purely about the visual and like, oh, I don't like the way that that logo looks or I don't like the terminals on that particular customization of, of a typeface. But they don't get the whole the story. story, right? And, and I think the beautiful thing is is that there is a story to it and and it seems that as a designer grows – in, in the branding world, I mean I myself I remember being younger and and doing logos, and it was like oh we're just doing a logo and and it was kind of like you know you didn't really understand it because you don't really get this you don't really learn about branding a, in school like from the greater yeah. sense of of what branding is right and you absolutely don't yeah and and so like as you as you grow as a designer and you start to learn that there's so much more to the entire thing and I mean even for me, you were talking about how you don't like to do just logos like when you get a logo project and and i would imagine now that you probably even turn those down i mean I, I I myself now will not take on if somebody just wants a logo like i won't do it because you're just not getting you're being set up for failure and you're being set up for these subjective choices to be made and not being able to help tell this story
1: right yeah 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 that's 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 very true and you know we've we've it's it's been a hard lesson to learn especially as as a guy who's trying to you know run his, his own firm, and, and you, you feel that response. Saying no is a very, very, very difficult thing to say. You know, it's, it's. I've wanted to always have a good, healthy balance between local and regional clients, and national and international clients, and, you know, work with people that that have that desire to, to, to tell their stories in, in visual, meaningful ways. But it's hard to say no when people come to you for work because you don't know. I mean, what's going to happen next month and what's going to happen the month after that? And I realized I was saying something. I was asking questions of clients that I wasn't asking myself. And one of those questions was All right, if you weren't doing what you're doing, if you weren't here, if you weren't available to your audience, what will they be losing? Because when you stack yourself up against your competitors, there's always – people. some some people are going to be better. Some people are going to be faster. Some people are going to be cheaper. Uh, There's going to be a lot of stuff that you do the same. Uh, It's just the reality of it. But what is it that you've got that if you're not there, they're not going to get? What makes you special? And finally one day it clicked. It's like what is that for us? You know, what, what makes us special? Because there are designers that design way better and, they're, and faster. And now if people just want good enough, they can go out there online and find a logo way cheaper than trying to, to work with us. So it's like, what, what is it that, that we have? And, and then how do we find those people that want what we have? those people that, that we are going to have the strongest connection with, that value. If this one special thing, if this is what gives great value to what we do, we've got to find people and connect with the people that have that shared value, that see that value and want to do that work. And that's, that's really any organization trying to connect with their core audiences. It's, it's, a, it's finding a place of shared values. And if you don't know your own values... Or, what gives you value, how are you gonna gonna connect and communicate? You're just selling stuff, and we don't sell stuff, you know? And and so I had to, to find that place and go, how do we find the people that want what we've got? And it's this branding process, it's this building these stories and bringing them to life in meaningful ways. And it is hard, hard work. You have to really dig deep, and it's a very front loaded process. You're asking a lot of questions, you're asking, you're getting into the philosophical side of things. In fact, we say there are two identities, two distinct identities that any organization has. It's a philosophical identity and then a creative identity. There's the who you are and then the how you live that out and what you look like. And discovering that who you are can, can be a very difficult process. It can be a very fun process, a very rewarding process, and it's going to give meaning to everything you do. But some people simply don't want to go there. And some designers don't want to go there. Some designers don't want to work that hard. I've had designers quit on me um, several over the last few years that, I mean, amazingly talented designers. But they go, I don't want to work this hard. I don't want to do this. I just want to create whatever I want to create. I want to design what I feel like designing. I don't want to ask all these questions. I'm getting tired of you asking me why. (laughs) I don't want to work this
0: hard. And it's like, well, Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's not for everybody, right? I mean, there are some, um, and I think, honestly, that's the difference between, uh, you know, people like yourself that are, you know, creative directors, design directors, and then people that are, you know, just graphic designers. I mean, in my opinion, graphic designers execute, right? And creative directors are there to think about the brand on a higher level, think about the brand strategically. and, And, you know, you can, and that's, you know, some of those people maybe probably do make good employees though, right? Where it's like, you know what, you just execute this. Like, you're very good with the software, yeah. you're very good, you have a good visual aesthetic, like you execute. But some of those higher level questions, you know, like you're saying, they're really, really tough to think about. Now,
1: one of the most, I was just gonna share the story popped in my head. Just when I get excited about some of this stuff, and I mean, we do, we try to work with uh, some local, local. I mean, local, regional, we wanna work with people that have that shared passion and value. And we're gonna, we've worked with high schools and we've worked with, a lot of a lot of churches and religious organizations, a lot of other just a lot of organizations in general. But it's it's funny because there are certain uh, teams, schools, colleges. You know, people make stickers. We love to put stickers on our cars, and and people are because they're identifying. They're identifying. I mean, just like the tattoo thing, people will put a sticker on something because they help. That helps identify them. They find identity in that, and that's why branding the competitive arena of branding right now is it's, it's why that is the competitive arena because people associate brands even with who they are. Right. And, and one day I was, I was, I was walking in a store, I think I went to Home Depot and I'm, I'm walking through the parking lot and I see these two ladies standing there talking at the back of a vehicle. And there's a, a, a sticker on that car that we did a part of the identity system we did for a local school. And as I'm walking past, I realize that one lady is sitting there telling the other one. She's pointing to that, and she's telling the story of who they are. She's using, because when we did that identity, we helped them build the story. The school did a really good job of conveying that story to the parents, to the students, to alumni, to the people that were involved there. So people looked at that, and they knew the story that it was telling. And I walked by just this, this chance moment and I see one person explaining to another person, telling them that story. That I love moments like that. Yeah. I love seeing it when people get it because it was connecting. It meant something to her and it meant something to her so much that she's sharing that with somebody else. And that's what, how we name these organizations. We, we approach naming. Uh, your name is the first, the first word in the story of who you are. Your name opens up the questions of why, why that name. Boom! You can launch into telling the story. The identity that you create for that name, the identity that you create to tell the story of that brand, that becomes your your. It truly illustrates the story. It helps you tell that story when it's created in the right way. So we approach naming, we approach branding and identity development in those ways so that people can can take these elements, can take these components, and tell their stories.
0: Yeah, I want to uh, kind of go back a little bit. You talked about your process, understand, think, create and manage Aaron Masick on Twitter. Uh, he's a designer for the San Antonio Spurs asks specifically, what is your process for building team identity research sketches and other factors that you consider? So you did touch on a little bit of that, but you know, in the, in the sketching phase, are you showing clients sketches or are you showing them more refined versions of, of, uh, designs?
1: No, we start out with sketches. You know, once we go through that understand phase, and I mean, we'll, we'll be two or three meetings in, and we haven't shown what you expect to see from a designer. We're not showing sketches. We're not showing marks yet. We're, we're, we're helping to, to build the story. We're talking about – we're looking at personality words. We're looking at values you know, what as an organization, what do you value? What's important to you? And we we list those values. What are the roles that you fulfill in the lives of your audience? And we define those roles. Um, We, you know, list these higher goals for the project itself. When we get on the same page with all of that, that then rolls into our positioning. We start to to really let that percolate for a while. And that, that works its way into a positioning statement that usually is a paragraph or two that, like I said earlier, when you Read that, or you see that, it it embodies such a, a, a vibe that you go, yeah, that's it, because that's what brand. We feel brands in our gut. We don't just learn them, and and we don't just interact with them. It's it's a, it's a gut reaction to how we connect with something. And so if we get that positioning statement to a place where we go, yeah, that's that's it, man. That's that's who we are. That's what we're about. That's what's important to us. If we bring that to life, then we've nailed it. Well, just like you, me, and anybody else, our personalities can be pretty complex. We've got different attributes of our personalities that we're going to live out at different times where we might get a little more angry and how we express that anger, or we're a little more jovial and just goofing off, or we're more serious and stoic. So, we kind of do things, we approach everything on a spectrum. So even as we get to that positioning and we get to those values and we get to those personality traits, we look at that and go, what's our spectrum? And we start to develop little storylines that maybe heighten one element of of that team's personality and character. And then we, we find another area that's still within that story. And we kind of start to tell that visually and we find another area that we start to tell that visually and we sketch against those things we write a little storyline about it and we sketch against those things and we look at it and and we start off with thumbnails and we go you can see here's the story here's how we see this sort of come into life you can measure this against this one they're all relevant they're all coming from this foundation that we built we're just now trying to determine the right thing to build on that foundation and so it's a constant vetting and assessment process as we go through that. Yeah, you know, how we, color palettes, just like I talked about in New Orleans, every team, and we do the same thing with all their color palettes, which helps tell the story that's most relevant to us and it's going to resonate with our people the most. And, and then we, we work and feel our way through that uh, until we're honing in on, on this, this path that, that does it in the strongest way possible.
0: So when you when you move to like say the managing phase, how does how does that work? Like I would imagine the hardest part is when you hand this brand off to be managed to you know uh, internally at the organization. Are you guys handling yeah. any of that yourself, or are you literally just turning it over and saying here's the here's the uh, br- so, brand identity so- guidelines?
1: yeah sometimes we we do get to to stay involved sometimes we don't every team is is going to have a relationship with an agency in their city and you know all kinds of creatives coming from different areas that are going to help them bring it to life. The best thing we can do um, is give them the tools to to manage it well themselves. They have to be the managers. It's their story. It's, it's, it's their identity. So style guides, we look at all the things. I mean, there's nothing uncommon, I don't think, in our style guide than, than others. Uh, you know, what is your, we look at photo style, graphic style, weight of color, not just here are the colors, but here's the way that we execute them the most. Here, Here's what we tell through the use of color. and Maybe this pop of color over here lives out in a bolder way in a special occurrence. You know, and and we just try to help give them the tools uh, that that we try to forecast all the needs they're going to have as much as we can and give them the tools to be able to manage that. So when we work with a college, we know that that university is going to have men's sports and women's sports, court, field, pool, track, pitch, all kinds of teams that are going to have to pull from this identity. So we have to make sure that we create – within the aesthetic that this story needs to tell as many of the marks as possible so that those people can can live it out in, in a right way. We know baseball is typically going to have some sort of script or script-inspired mark, especially if it's a part of the heritage of that team. So we want to be able to create elements that fit the system, that help them tell their story too and their sports story. and And we do that. And then, you know, some teams that we that we executed, I mean, that we worked on a long, long time ago. I mean, you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, you look at the Houston Texans, those guys have done really good jobs of, of managing and protecting those brands that have, have been out there for over 10 years now. And they've done it with great consistency. They still feel really fresh. They still tell their story in very powerful ways. And they haven't looked up in three and five and seven years and go, wow, we got a we got to redo this, and they they can build on their story. They can build in different attributes that, as their story grows, they can add to and do some things which any identity needs to be able to do. And uh, and and those guys have been able to do that.
0: That's great. So um, the Charlotte Hornets branding. What uh, I know that that was project by Brand Jordan, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the last episode, but I interviewed Darren Crescenzi. Uh-huh. What what was the um, and obviously some of this may be confidential. So if it is, you know, f- feel free to discuss what you can. How does a project like that work with so many people involved?
1: You know, we. It, it's funny. So many of these projects have come to life in different ways. Like when we did the Grizzlies, we had to pitch. We pitched against seven other agencies to to do that. And uh, the Pelicans, um, we got to just um, just work directly with the team. Uh, just from the start, and and because of the nature of things, and and then you know, they they come to life in different ways. Well, um, um, because of my time at Nike, because of the relationships and friendships that I still have there, um, this this is a, a Jordan brand product first and foremost. The, the, the original contact wasn't from the team, it wasn't from the league, it was from the Jordan brand. Keith Crawford, the creative director there at the Jordan brand, is is a guy that I worked with in my time out there. Amazing designer amazing just creative talent amazing thinker and um you uh, know with with so many of the things that they had going on and and he said look you know we i i know you i know uh how you work we've worked together you've you've, you've, you've your involvement in in team sports rare's involvement in team sports we want uh this is a it's a jordan brand project but do you want to be involved with it and, and work with us on it? And absolutely, you know, and, and, and I'll be honest, it kind of, that's not as difficult for me as I think it is for some other designers because one of the things I learned at Nike, the strongest work that came out of that place was a result of team effort, was a result of a creative team that could approach the work in a confident yet humble manner that appreciated the contributions of others it's a very unselfish process that said, yeah, I know where my strengths are, but I equally know where my weaknesses are, and, and I know where I, I want people to contribute. And when we work together as a team, we're going to create very, very powerful things, very powerful identities and very powerful work. And, and that's I've tried to build Rare that way. And so moving into getting into a process where there are multiple players involved, to me, that's a good place to be. I, I appreciate the value and the talents and the strengths that those people bring in and to be able to work with this i mean holy cow man you look at the, i mean this is the Charlotte Hornets and this is one of the big key pieces of the of the that whole identity itself in the world of basketball the international global world of basketball the nba is the top i mean man that's that's it that's the pinnacle you look at that icon you look at that that logo and and that is that's at, that represents the elite in the world of basketball you look at that jumpman logo and it's a whole other level of elite and here is one team that gets to live out what it means to be represented by both of those one team in all the world that represents both of those ideals and that that level of of elite basketball and they were so passionate about about building an identity that was right for this city, they so wanted to 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 make the people of Charlotte happy and proud to to have the Hornets back, to be the Hornets again, and and they were very very concerned about that. And there are certain things that they could or couldn't do because of league requirements and everything that you know, everything that they could do. Um, they wanted to do so that they rekindled that love affair that that city and that team had and they wanted that now and they wanted that in the future that they're going to.
0: I, um, I have to say that it's probably one of my it, – it's absolutely my favorite team identity in the NBA now. I mean, it's uh, – I just want to, you know, compliment you guys on it because I well, think thank you. everything from the, from the mark – Itself, it, it it feels very sports like, but it also is is very simple and doesn't have sort of that cliche look. But but just the expansion of it, the yeah. expansion in the uniforms, the typefaces, the way that they took it to the court, and I, I'm I'm very those types of things excite me. Those, how does this yeah. brand expand? Right, like you can take a logo and you can stamp it on everything, but these additional elements that were created, yeah, are are fantastic, and I think. I'm actually really glad to see that starting to move into sports. Oh,
1: thank you, man! And it was so fun. I mean, it was such a great one uh, to work on and 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 help bring that to life because uh, and, and help just develop that story. And once we nailed the story, I mean, they, the, the the team knew it. They knew it. And like, yeah, this is it. Let's do it. And you know, sometimes, and and I know that there's there's a discussion out there with you know how many marks are part of a system, and and we can't make our primary logos. They can't do it all. They can't tell everything. And so we get to, when you create a but all different parts of the story are relevant and need to be told in the right way in the right places. You know, just like these these over-the-top caricature cartoon marks, if that's part of the heritage of, of a team and part of the storyline that's there and it's a very endeared thing, then that's great, let's do it. that's also, that's that's part of what our the world of the mascot is and, and how how he gets to live out this, you know, big character of, of this side of the club's identity. And you can create marks. You can create things that live in that right place. And community-minded marks are marks that bring on a little bit more of this, like I said, stealth quality maybe. But you know, you, you create a palette that allows you to tell your full comprehensive story in right ways in the right places. You don't overburden or over-embellish anything so that it works to the detriment of that mark. You create the pieces, you create the visual language, the visual brand language that allows you to tell that story in right ways.
0: One uh one last question. Uh, I know you're a super busy guy. Do you have any advice for people that are trying to uh, designers. Obviously, this is a sports related podcast. We admire and view design that's outside of sports, but but since that being the case, do you have any advice for people that are trying to kind of break into this niche or, or even get to a higher level of, of the sports-related niche, doing work for maybe professional sports teams or some of these bigger branding projects? Mm, that's a good question. Um, and I know my answer,
1: probably just like anybody else that answers this question, is going to come from, from their own unique position of what they value, you know? And some people may want uh, when they're looking at designers, they just want talent, they just want creative execution, they just want an extension that is they look at a person as a as a as a literally as a tool that they can wield to achieve their results um, what what I look for is people that think that as they're looking yes, I expect great craftsmanship, yes, I expect smart design i expect to be able to i want to look at the work and tell that they are seeing the details and how important those things are that that the hand that they use in, in designing these marks they're making very smart decisions um and and but but i also want to see rationale i want to i want them to be able to talk about the reason why if all I hear from someone and, you know, cause I, I mean, especially when a new identity comes out, we tend to go through a little season and we get a lot of emails of people wanting to, to freelance. And, you know, one of the things that a lot of people do, they talk about what that's going to do for them. And that's kind of a dangerous place because we don't design for us. We design to tell these stories. We design for something outside of us. So that's when I see that, even that tinge of, of, selfishness if you will that that kind of becomes a little bit of a red flag for me because we try to design and work in a very unselfish environment and and um and that that can be a struggle that's a pretty special place to be but i think also respect what goes into these types of projects all the voices that if you're going to talk about sports stuff it can't just be about the design aesthetics and this is what i i think and this is what i think is great because anybody you've got league concerns team concerns ownership concerns city concerns there are lots and lots of voices that influence all of these marks so appreciate that and try to show a little bit of maturity that understands if you're trying to get on get in with somewhere get in with a a firm or a team show that you have uh, some knowledge of that of all those voices that impact the mark that you're doing you know, the work that you're doing and and you've got to be able to take all of those things in and still create hopefully great work. But I think, um, telling to me, telling those stories, being passionate about it beyond just, I like to draw things. I like to draw critters that bear their teeth and slash claws. You know, that's, it's got to go deeper than that. It's got to go, it's got to go to the place of, you know, representing these teams and telling their stories.
0: That's great advice. Rodney, man, I real appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm a longtime admirer of your work and, and also especially your story, working uh, in a smaller town and uh, being family-focused. Mm. So thanks again, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. This was, this was a lot of fun. My next guest is the owner and creative director of Texas design firm One Fast Buffalo. Ben Jenkins will be joining us to talk about his time playing professional baseball and how it has influenced his new sports product venture, Warstick Bat Company, which is an independent wooden bat company focused on American-made, hand-forged wooden bats. Um, so that one's going to be a little bit different uh, as, as it talks more about products and less about services uh, in the sports design industry. Big thanks again to Rodney Richardson. You can follow him on Twitter at RodneyRare or look at his firm's website, raredesign.com, R-A-R-E-design.com. Also, be sure to follow myself at T. Adam Martin on Twitter, and the show's Twitter handle is at Makers of Sport. Again, if you feel like I'm providing value with these shows and these interviews are of some value to you, please take some time and rate this show on Stitcher or iTunes or whichever app you happen to be listening to it in. Also, please uh, check out the website and sign up for the email list there uh, where I will send design digests of articles and also show notes. You can submit questions there for myself or also guests as well, makersofsport.com. Well, folks, I am off to the beach. Until next time, have a good week.